0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. This is going to be episode number four for Real Poor. and I am extremely excited to be recording again, and I'm going to follow through with my word, and I'm going to take this and run with it. Um, A huge thank you to the countless emails, tweets, uh, PMs I've gotten on Reddit. It has exceeded my wildest expectations. So much so that I am now in the process of moving the host from Podomatic over to another one. I have absolutely zero experience with podcasting, hosting, and any of that. So this is a whole new world for me, but I am moving that. Uh, in addition, I'm going to put this in the, uh, in the notes in the comments. I am going to be publishing all of my episodes as well on YouTube And eventually, the format for this is is I will go live uh, where I record video of myself talking as well. I don't know. uh, Some people may appreciate it. You know, I do have a uh, face for radio, (laughs) but, uh, you know, that might be kind of cool to see on YouTube. Uh, Just something, you know, different. But that's kind of what I am planning. So I don't know when I move hosts if you know, you'll have to resubscribe on iTunes or Android play or whatever. I don't think you, you will have to. The only thing you'll have to resubscribe is when I have like a new podcast page, right? For whoever the new host is, you can subscribe right on that host. But, um, I believe iTunes, um, you know, Google play, obviously YouTube will stay the same. I don't think you have to worry. So that's just a kind of an FYI. This should be hopefully the last episode I post on there. But apart from that, um, I have some exciting news for sure. Um, I got reached out to by um, this fellow who, I guess he wrote a book on his UO experiences. And I I was shocked, you know, he he actually wants to come on as a guest, but I am not ready yet to uh, handle that. I still need to get all my ducks in order, but... Um, I went ahead and ordered his book, and I'm pulling up the title now because I want... So it's called Braving Britannia, Tales of Life, Love, and Adventure in Ultima Online, and it's by uh, Wes Locker. I hope I'm not butchering your name. I apologize, but uh, first name is Wes. You can find it on Amazon. So that is arriving this Saturday by 8 p.m., and I plan on reading that, and I'm super excited about that because... I think it's so cool that, I mean, this game has impacted people's lives like nothing I've ever seen. I've never heard of anyone playing Call of Duty and talking about it five years later. just doesn't happen, right? Or insert any other game, right? I just, the communities, you you don't see it. So that's extremely exciting. Thank you, Wes, for reaching out to me. You will be on the show at some point once I'm ready for it. Um, so that's for you guys to look forward to. I also, I got a big response from a lot of the free shards, um, mainly, you know, UO Outlands. That's a huge one. Has, has a uh, really big uh, following. So I'm definitely going to want to get some people from Outlands on here to talk about just UO in general and I what I envision is just more of an interview style where I talk to people. I really don't want to like promote certain shards or, you know, say one's better than the other because holy crap, that is like a, you know, a Jerry Springer show on its own. <laughs> Which I don't I don't know if I'm going to address that at least in these episodes. Um but eventually yeah, we'll get people on here. I got kind of some questions as to Hey, am I going to play? I've gotten also some comments. Hey, I'm going to start up again as well. Just to let everyone know, I do plan on starting UO again. Um, I'm going to pick a, I'm probably going to start on the free shards. I'm going to pick a shard to play on and I'm going to stream it live on Twitch and I'm going to go from the ground up and just here's my experience, here's my play. And I almost want to do it, too, as a mini review of the shard, kind of an all-in-one. So I would like to record my sessions and kind of formulate some sort of review. My experiences, skill gain, what's different about this shard. So I'm kind of thinking of an all-in-one. And, of course, selfishly, I like playing UO. That kind of, you know, ties right in. And I would like to, as well, tie in some of the episodes to the shard I'm playing and kind of experiences I have on there. Um, I want to also shout out Trammy Surprise. He did reply to me on Discord. A very encouraging guy. Um, He's definitely someone I want to get on this podcast at some point. Um, Thank you to him for being so supportive. Um, I'm also... uh, I tweeted about it, and I did get another message from a fellow that I guess was a blacksmith back in the day. And I would really like to kind of pick his brain because... I'm pretty sure everyone would agree. The crafters in UO were almost a different subset of people. And, you know, and I'm going to go more into that, I think uh, on this specific um, episode, but I would really like to talk to some of the old school crafters because there was a method and a madness to it because back in the day, you had some macros, but there weren't, it wasn't really fancy or it was, it was really tedious to do some of the things you wanted to do. Um, but you know, that's kind of the news and highlights of what's going on with the podcast. So all great things. Um, this episode, I really want to focus on, um, crafters, um, PVPers and, you know, some of my experiences with either or and, um, I'll dive right in to, and I'm going to start with the blacksmith since I just was referencing that. I remember when I first logged in, and, you know, first of all, your weapons had durability. That was completely foreign to me. And I think to a lot of people, that was too. Didn't understand that. I had no idea, you know what really that meant or anything until finally my weapon breaks, right? I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. So then I said, oh, okay, I can go to an NPC and Brit, you know, I think it was the, um, you know, swordsman, I know sold it. Uh, We can go right to the blacksmith shop up by the graveyard, right? And genius map design, by the way. But you go right there, buy whatever weapon. But those are just regular I mean, stock, you know, not GM crafted or anything. Then I learned about, oh, well, there's crafters that make weapons. Okay, cool. And then I decided in my infinite wisdom when I was a kid, let me do that. So I remember going to the mines, and I believe I went north of the graveyard. and I just kept running north until you hit the mountains. And I remember I'm harvesting, and then... I get some uh, iron ingots and my backpack's full. It's too heavy. I'm like, oh my god. Then I remember, okay, you got to go you got to get a pack horse. Pack horse can store your crap. Cool. Oh, by the way, any other monster player, whoever, can attack your you and or your horse because it just follows you. You cannot mount a pack horse. You can mount a normal horse, you know, but you can't a pack horse. And I just remember getting PK'd, my horse dying from a damn Eaton or or an org. <laughs> like I really remember it being so frustrating and it was so tedious. I hated it. It sucked. So I said, okay, blacksmithing's not for me, right? Just categorically, I I don't find it interesting. However, I remember this was and again, this is before you had a lot of vendors, places where a lot of cities were established. This was literally blacksmiths would hang out at the blacksmith shop, not only to use um, the forge and anvil, but to interact with players. Because what I realized is okay, you can buy a, and when I say GM grandmaster you know, crafted this, which has the highest stats that, you know, a player could craft. That makes sense. If there's still a durability issue, it will wear out over time. However, a blacksmith could repair it. And man, if I'm really thinking about it, I could have sworn there was a bug where you could hide and then repair your weapon as if you were a GM smith. Someone can either nod their head or 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 maybe not. Send me an email if I got that wrong. I'm pretty sure I remember a bug like that. In any case. Um, The blacksmith would then charge you, right? Hey, I need my weapon repaired. It's going to be, you know, I don't know, 100, 500 gold, 1K, whatever it was. Okay, fine. but, But what that did is it created immersion where I had to seek out someone to do this service or task for me. I couldn't do it myself. I didn't have the skills, right? And to be honest, it was the most boring thing I could ever think of doing, but it was still very much an, and I'll say on the economic side of this, blacksmiths made really good money because they're the only ones that can repair, you know, certain weapons, I'll say, um, only ones that can craft them. Um, they can craft higher tier armors. Um, it's, it's crazy, right? Like if you really like crafting and you can almost RP, you know, what I mean by that is like, you can role play a, you know, crafter from the medieval times easily, right? Um, and that was really cool. So crafters were extremely important. Most power users had their own character that basically had any skills that they need GM'd. But again, back in the day, to be a GM blacksmith, I remember I I can't recall what the count of ingots you needed, but It was outrageous because I want to remind people who maybe haven't been around a while. You had to get the ore first, then, you know, go to a forge, smelt it down into ingots. But that still, there was loss of material in between that transaction. And it it was tedious. I'm sure everyone remembers an ore was extremely heavy. So you needed a pack, you know, horse, pack llama, whatever, to carry it, it was a huge pain in the ass. Um, trust me, I, it sucked. But it created again a huge sense of community for these blacksmiths. And then you moved on to vendors. And what was what's was still amazing about UO is you had a rune book, right? And I'm going to assume most people listening to this know about UO, but the rune book was basically uh, almost like a spell book you could open. And you could mark runes on certain locations on the UO map. So uh, if there was a hunting spot, right, you would mark a rune, put it in your rune book. The rune book was binded to you. You couldn't, you couldn't lose it in death unless you dragged it to the ground. But still, really cool. So what you do with vendors is you'd have like a vendor rune book. Okay, I'm going to mark this guy's house because this, this guy sells swords Maces and, you know, he has armor, plate armor, whatever, right? I need it. Okay, cool. So you mark all of them. You have them all down. Most of the time, though, the biggest vendors are the ones near the cities and the moon gates, right? Because that just has the most foot traffic. And i almost going to get into a tangent. I think I'm going to go for it is real estate because this ties hand in hand with crafters The real estate was just as important as crafting because now to sell said goods, you either need to have you have to have a house near a moon gate or a very popular area. Or what you could do is rent out a vendor spot for someone who owned the house, which, again, you know, just the level of detail in this game that they thought of to this day is crazy. It makes these other games look so basic. But anyway, you basically could rent out a vendor or whatever, and then you could sell your goods. And sometimes the shop owner, I believe they would take a cut. They would charge you either monthly or, or either weekly to like it was a vendor upkeep fee. Gosh, I don't remember entirely how that worked. But I do remember there was some payment so the owner, you know, would make money off that too. But real estate was just insane, especially near like PVP hotspots near the graveyard. Um, and as time went on, even in free shards, the price goes up. It's crazy. The more people, the more demand naturally raises prices. And I know on the official shards, I mean, like uh, I call them OSI, uh, I don't know, broadsword. I'm going to call them OSI for the purposes of this podcast. And that's, that's what it is. On the OSI, you know, servers, the shards, their prices right now, I mean, you can buy, I think, a million gold for like a dollar real life. It's, it's, uh, and I don't even know, it may be cheaper now, but that's back, you know, a little bit, ways back I looked. That's, the economy's basically in shambles from dupes, from, you know, there wasn't enough gold sinks in the game And they just couldn't control it. And people just started amounting so much wealth that it just, prices are just, it's kind of comical. It doesn't make much sense to me. But anyway, um, real estate was so important in this game. Um, Tying in to real estate, one of my favorite things in UO was um, the IDOC hunting. What that means is a house, when you placed a house, so we'll stay on the real estate trend. We place a house. You had to log in a certain amount of of time to, re. I'm going to put it in air quotes, refresh the house. Because your house decays. And I think when, back when I played the official OSI service, it was like, was it a week or two? Or maybe even been a month. I don't remember the exact time. There was a chart. Told you the time frame when a house would possibly fall. But if you didn't log in and refresh your house, like all you had to do to refresh your house was like double click, open your doors or double click your sign. If you didn't do that, your house would literally like fall. When I say fall, it disappears. And all of your crap that's in there is freely lootable on the ground. It is wild. Some of the best PVP action would be found at these IDOCs and it was in danger of collapsing. is is what that stood for. However, to find these houses, you literally have to run around, single click a person's house sign, and it would tell you, hey, this house, you know, was recently um, refreshed. This house has been refreshed a little while ago. I forgot the actual name. I'll have to look it up, um, the official names of it. But you basically had a window of time where you knew if it said this message, we're probably about a week or two out. So what I would do, many people do the same thing. You had a room book of houses that were starting to decay. And then the, what I, and, and this perhaps is my personality. I love the gambling aspect of you'd find a house, you would turn your trans circle of transparency up and you would basically try to like look, you know, for the loot inside of it. Because if the door was locked, you couldn't get in. So one of the things that obviously attracted most people is when this house falls, there could be rares, there could be. I mean, there's no telling what's in this house. Now, old school days, the house falls. There are there are thieves hiding. There are PKs waiting off screen. Depending on how big, you know, this house was. You were looking at intense action. Now, I remember to this day when I saw a house that was in danger of collapsing. I think you had a 24-hour window because here's the thing. You didn't know when that house turned. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't know the exact time frame. So if it said in danger of collapsing, it could be within the next day. So you had to check on it fairly, you know, often because just you didn't know. So that added another level to this where people, I remember to this day, I, I remember, as, can I went to sleep, I think it was around like midnight, because there was a huge house, everyone was camping. And then I woke up every like two hours. I'd wake up, I man, and, and I'm going old school, press that little CRT, tree, <laughs> and I would look and I'm like, oh, nope, didn't, didn't drop yet. And I remember it was like five a. It was like five or five fifteen in the morning. It finally dropped, and I happened to be online, and I just started looting, and it was so awesome. Um, Because sometimes you could find a house no one else found. It's out in the middle of of nowhere, right? So that was just uh, even to this day, man. People don't get it how awesome that is. And that's just one element of this game. Um, But circling back to crafters. I remember one of my first characters, um, we did blacksmithing, tailoring. So tailoring, um, you kind of needed for band-aids back in the day. You would go to an NPC and you would buy bolts of cloth. You had little scissors, cut up the bolts of cloth, and you can cut them up. It didn't require any skill in terms of tailoring, but they were interconnected. Tailoring was where you can make um, clothes, anything wearable. You can make, um, you could also dye any of these clothes colors, which again, the, the custom aspect of this is so big that us, as UO fanatics, we take it for granted. We, we just, we've assumed that, okay, this is what we're used to people are like, wow, can you imagine if they found out, oh, you could have your own house in the game, non-instance Oh, you could dye your shirt, whatever color, your hair, whatever. Uh, You know, things to this level, I think, would amaze some people for a game that is damn near 20 years old. (laughs) I mean, if you really think about it. But in any case, tailoring, you could also make armor, leather armor for mages. Um, And there were different types of things you could do. But again... It was so freaking boring. I tried it and I'm like sitting there at a spool and I'm like doing this. I'm like, this sucks. Nope. Not interested. Right? <laughs> so you kind of figured out what you like to do. But tailors made big money. Mages needed armor. You had to get it from a tailor. Um, because most of the things that are magic that drop in the game are from monsters. But they don't drop often enough where you can just be rolling in magic armor all the time because, yeah, when I die, someone's dry looting me. I'm not getting it back. So back, you know, back, you know, then without insurance, um, it was really high risk, high reward. So in any case, regular tailors made a lot of money because I know for myself, I would have sets of armor in my house that I would buy. So And I'm going back to UO hybrid days. That's a free shard. This was probably 10 years ago or so. I remember like a full set of leather GM armor was like a thousand gold. And it came in a little pouch because vendors sold it on a little pouch. The tailor would sell it to you. And it was awesome. You had all your armor ready to go. You could even make macros to put on your armor. I'm sure now in 2020, I can't wait to play because now in 2020, I can't even imagine like what has improved, Um, but, so, basically, Taylor's, yeah, not interested. The other one were gardeners, and I don't, I I cannot speak to this with extreme knowledge, because I didn't even try this. I remember, at some point, one of the publishers brought in plants, and people went freaking nuts. Now, keep in mind, I was probably a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, punk kid, and I thought plants were for the birds. In hindsight, now, um, you know, in my 30s, I have fully raised a real lemon tree, saved it from the elements. (laughs) I will say I understand the relaxing nature of taking care of plants. As, As monotonous and boring as it sounds, I get it now. And a lot of people loved it. You could like, I remember seeds would drop and you would plant the seeds and then you could cross pollinate. I mean, it, it was nutty what you could do with that. And I think that was one of the much later patches if I'm, if I'm recalling it right. But I, I couldn't get into it. Nope. Wasn't interested. Now, one thing I did like though was fishing. Because I do fish uh, in real life. I do a lot of bass fishing. So fishing, to me, kind of interested me. Now, it is extremely boring. I remember, now that I'm thinking about it, to level up my fishing, there was a, uh, I think it was an 8 by 8 guide, where you went on a boat. Because, by the way, you all had boats. (laughs) I know, next level. Some MMOs to this day still don't have boats. But anyway you went out on a boat and you went like eight by eight tiles back and forth and you kept casting and you would get your gains that way, which by the way, and I'm going to speak in generality, there's usually your skill cap goes to a hundred skill points in later patches. It went up to 120, but your maximum total had had to be at 700 total uh, skill points. So keep that in mind with the math. So to gain, like, you're literally gaining 0.01 every cast or whatever. You're not gaining, like, 1%. I want to be clear. So fishing uh, was very slow. I think my fisherman, I would love... I think when I resubscribe to OSI, whenever that time is, just to check my characters, I would love to check my fisherman because I think he had... He was in the 80s, maybe, if that. I I, I didn't hold... I didn't hold on long enough to really level it because it was so boring. But you could get something called Message in in, in a Bottle. And those gave you coordinates that you could pull up like sunken treasure from the sea. And like a, you know, I forgot what spawned. I know like Sea sea Serpent spawned. I forgot what it was. I know, oh yeah, Water Elemental spawned for sure. I don't know if I, um, uh... I forgot what else spawned. It it escapes me right now, but something else spawned. But it was cool because you get a treasure chest, get all sorts of stuff, whatever. Okay, the real creme de la creme of why I loved fishing was treasure maps. You could fish up treasure maps. I don't know if they changed that later on because I remember later on a certain monster like Earth Elementals would drop level one maps or whatever, but treasure hunting... Was is was my all-time favorite thing to do in UO. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I'll go in a little detail, but I, I really want to wrap up the crafting thing. I'm trying to think if I missed any other crafting element of the game. Oh yeah, alchemist or alchemy, right? That skill was so important, um, and basically they created potions. So a potion could cure you from poison, um, give you health, give you stamina, and give you strength. I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, yeah. There was a potion to give you night sight, which uh, that's probably why I forgot. It's really insignificant, um, in my opinion. Because later on, they had with, like, I know with Razor, you can enable night sight mode. Because in dungeons, by the way, it's dark. The potion allows you to see like it was daytime. But... I mean, I used it early on, but yeah. Anyway, um, that was really important, especially for PvPers. Oh, yeah, and the Explosion Potions. Sorry, I forgot about that one. Very important for PvPers later on, especially in the Free Shards. There was an Explosion Potion era. I'd love to talk about that. Um, But they made potions, and they made them in these things like they had kegs. It's really cool. I mean, you made—I forgot. I think a keg was 100 potions is what it held. But, you know, you set up your macro, got your, you know, um, ingredients together and you did it. Awesome. I mean, again, the systems in this game still to this day hold so strong and so interesting. So that I wasn't really interested in doing, but I still did it myself because it was way cheaper. Because if I remember, a keg was like 10 to 20K per keg. So and, and I don't remember the era I'm talking about, but you may remember it by the prices I'm giving, but that was the, kind of the going rate, which wasn't very cheap. You're still getting 100 potions, but if you're going to PvP, you need them. You need trap pouches, you need your potions, you need them. Even to this day, that is still an absolute requirement. Um, but that's because today everyone's end game and, and whatever. Back in the day, potions weren't as common, but... People that carried them, they were miles ahead of the competition. Trust me. Um, Trying to think if I forgot any other um, crafter. Um, But let me know, you know, you guys, do you want to hear more crafting stories, crafting interviews um, from other guests? Like I wanted to have that blacksmith kind of on to talk about it because it's just such a unique view of the game. Um, but you know, guys, let me know the other ones I'm going to go into real quick, just because, you know, sorry, I wasn't really interested. I didn't really do it too much. Um, the bow crafting where you can, you can craft arrows, bolts, and, um, bows and crossbows really extremely underrated for PVP. Um, I'll go into some detail later about what I mean by that. But, um, that was fun. Archers, I think Archers needed a little bit more love in UO, but I think they were limited by the system, by like the, the game engine, rather, how they pulled that off. But still really cool was in there. Um, carpentry was another one. Again, guys, this is why UO beats every other game. You could literally make furniture for your house. And me even saying that it, that, that sounds so basic of a thing like that doesn't sound mind-blowing but i don't think in like wow or these other main mmo's you you can't I don't think you can do that like craft your own stuff i don't believe that exists i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but um carpentry yeah awesome skill to have people loved it you made chairs tables you name it it was so cool um other one was cooking um that one, it didn't really take off. You needed food for yourself, but not, not really. I mean, you could get away without eating. Um, but you could feed your pets. You needed that. But I don't know. Cooking to me, <laughs> the funny thing to do with cooking was you could poison like fish steaks or poison food and then just put them on the ground like at the bank and someone would eat it. And if you had like GM poisoning, like... Y- you are in trouble. <laughs> You're probably going to die. It was pretty funny and you didn't got you need, it didn't like make you a criminal for doing that or charge you like a murder for it. Um, so that was really fun and funny. Um, inscription was another one you could make scrolls for your mage. So inscription you could literally make spell books. That was big money too. A full spell book, you know, which I think back then was like 10-12k. Which, I mean, that's good money back then, you know, for, cause it was a, it was a pain in the ass. You had to like make it, one of each scroll, put it in a spell book. Like it, it was resource intensive for sure. Well worth the money to buy it. And then tinkering was another one, which I don't, I never really got into tinkering all too much. Um, you, you could basically, you could, you could make certain things that a blacksmith couldn't like a butcher knife, um, a hatchet. It, I don't know. I didn't really, I really didn't see, there wasn't a huge need for it, but it was, it was all the jewelry, to be uh, fair. But the jewelry back then didn't do anything in terms of um, attributes. It was, it was simply a cosmetic thing. Now, in the, in the current version of UO, and I'm talking uh, OSI servers, yeah, they, they make, you know, or break, you know, your stats from what I understand. Um, they also can make shovels. <laughs> As a tea hunter, I, I remember that specifically. But, um, and I do remember in factions, tinkers can make like traps that were pretty nasty, explosion traps, which were crazy. But that's what I remember uh, in terms of tinkering. Um, also cartography, was important. That was for treasure hunting, really. Um, That was so, so much fun. Uh, I think I'm going to dedicate another time slot for treasure hunting just because I'm so passionate about it. And and I think that was it. Yeah, that's it. As far as I remember for um, crafters. But, you know, guys, let me know. What what do you guys think about crafting? Did you guys craft? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Again, I was not a big crafter at all. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not, I'm not the best person to talk to, which is why I really wanted, you know, people on here to kind of interview them about crafting because they can probably um, talk way more in depth about it than I can. Um, so, okay. So we wrapped up crafting on um, the tail end of this. Uh, and I'm probably honestly not going to have enough time to, to finish it out, but um, PVP. So... Growing up on UO, it, it created, I would almost say, a monster in the fact that I loved PvP. I loved, you know, getting getting ganked. I loved ganking people. I loved, you know, rolling up on some fool and just smoking him, you know, and then dry looting him. I mean, gosh, there are a few things in life that I can tell you, but I'll tell you this. Killing someone in the game, taking all their stuff off them and imagining how frustrated they are, that makes me smile every damn time. (laughs) I just, maybe that's bad. I don't know. I know I'm not the only one that thought that way. Um, So, (laughs) and I only laugh because it it sounds ridiculous in hindsight, but um, no other game also would make me as nervous. As you owe, so I could be out farming you know like monsters and in the back of my head I had to realize uh, PK could recall in immediately and get the drop on me I gotta be ready um so that added such a needed element to the game because <sighs> unfortunately you hear now oh well if it was open world pvp you wouldn't be able to get out of the city everyone would just be ganking everyone I'm like no not true. Like you, UO, you can recall places. So that eliminated that big time. So if there's a PKs outside here, I'm recalling somewhere else. I'm avoiding that completely, right? Or um, hunting, you know, liches, for instance, and there's PKs there. Okay, cool. I'm not going to that spot. I'm going to try another spot, right? It's things like that. Um, but I will tell you, like another thing with PVP is when you die – you become a ghost and you get the, Ooh. <laughs> um, and for you that don't know when you're a ghost, uh, a person that's living cannot understand your text. It comes through as like O's, uh, unless you have spirit speak with which no one had, it was a waste. But anyway, um, when you're, when you're a ghost like that, when you're dead, you have to go find either a, a player to you an NPC To res you I mean those are your options Or I think you could find A uh, Gosh I don't forget What it was called A Virtue Statue I don't remember To be honest But Those are the two main ways To get resed And Depending on where you died If it was in the Middle of freaking nowhere You were running A while Or What I did Is I hit help Like I'm stuck And then like Transferred to a a city (laughs) You had to wait two minutes and it would auto transfer you. Um, but all your stuff's left there. If you have a horse, a mount, yeah, goodbye to that, unless you can find them again. Um, just again, next level stuff. Like it is a massive pain to die in UO and to go get your stuff. Like it, it's a huge pain in the ass, right? So it added such a level of intensity that I have not experienced before. Uh, And I still, like, when I play, I've played a lot of the modern MMOs, and none have hooked me, really, but, like, if I play, you know, (sighs) World of Warcraft, I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm in an MMO, I just feel like I'm in an RPG, where I'm just completing quests, looking at zones, and that's it. Nothing feels dangerous to me. Like, to me, hunting... Was just it, it, you had sweaty palms, heart was beating constantly because you just did not know what was coming. Um, the other thing with you know PvP is your bag has limits on how much you can carry. So I know if someone's out hunting or whatever, they had they can't just sit there all day and farm items. Like they eventually have to move or or recall somewhere, right? So I personally played um, a lot of Dexers where. I loved hiding, just waiting, and then jumping on someone, you know, with a DP katana that, and what that means is it was deadly poison. So when the weapon hits and it, you know, hits off that deadly poison, they gotta they gotta cure like immediately, or else they start ticking really fast. Um, so that's what I did. I never was good with a mage at all. I don't know what it was. I just I just couldn't get the combos down the, I just, I wasn't great with a mage. I loved Dexers. That was like my main thing. And I really liked Macers. That was kind of my thing. I loved back in the day. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, I had hiding, so I would just sit there, you know, recall in, if I didn't see anyone, I would hide in a corner, wait for a tamer to come in. And that was the thing too. Like a tamer would come in and usually they had dragons, some had uh, mares, but I mean, not, it wasn't too often yet people had mares, but you know, they could sick, you know, the pet on you. And as a dexter or mage, a dragon hits you, you're like two, three shots, you're toast. Or if it hits you once, flame strikes you, you're probably dead. So there was an element of risk that if you know, the person farming knew what they were doing. They could either recall out with their pet or they could turn the tables on you pretty quickly. So it wasn't all, it was very even as my point. It wasn't like you could just roll in, kill someone every single time. You know, that, that was not the case. Um, it was very different every situation, which is again, what I loved. Like with modern MMOs, it's on kind of rails. Okay, if you want PVP, you go here oh, you want this, you go to this arena or this world of You oh, it was all integrated. Like, that was the world. <laughs> you didn't go somewhere else. I mean, the only places that were protected were um, cities and they had guards. But other than that, man, you were on your own. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my passion was PvP. The amount of shit-talking that went on in UO... I would like to say I am definitely a professional shit talker because of UO, no doubt. Um, not only would people talk crap, they would literally create characters and name them just to troll you. I mean, that that's, <laughs> that's what level people would go to um, in UO. Like, literally imagine leveling up a character for months with a, with a name, just to troll someone else. Like that is like, man, that's, that's some deep seated stuff. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> um, back then y- you couldn't really record a lot of videos. Like even if you look up old school, UO videos, there's not a lot. Um, cause it was just such a pain in the ass. No one had the storage for it. Uh, YouTube was not prevalent back then. There was just nowhere to really share it, you know? Um, which is why, like, things like I'm a Newbie took off because, you know, there was no place to share, like, you know, centralized video. Um, but uh, PvP for me, I had a, you know, a murderer character that I was just, I would kill anyone with. Um, for my mages, I was the guy that would cast blade spirits on your ass every time just to get the party started to get you real nervous. <laughs> um And I didn't, like I said, I didn't really, I couldn't enter tournaments with a mage to get the combos off that fast and correctly like most people could, but I could play a PK mage, a little bit more forgiving. Um, I could definitely kill you, but I preferred, um, you know, a mace dexter for sure. That was my thing. It was so, so much fun. Um, And all throughout this, like if you were a murderer, you couldn't go into towns. Um, The guards would be called on you. Or there, there was just so many elements to it. They did introduce factions. And what that brought in was more of an organized PvP where you could PvP in town, right? Because as long as they were opposing faction, they were attackable. Um, so that was kind of cool. I did play some factions. I know that was huge at one point. I would, I would definitely let me say this. If you played factions heavily, I don't, I don't, there was no really leaderboard for competition, but you know what I'm saying. If you played at hardcore where you're staying up all night to steal a sigil or whatever, let me know. I would definitely like to chat with you about factions because that was a very underserved, I think, part of UO that was so awesome because you could do factions. You don't have to be a murderer or, you know, even chasing murderers, being anti-PK. You didn't have to do that. It was just like faction on faction. Like you own this town and anyone that the opposing faction that comes, we're going to fight. It was really cool. I, I did enjoy the faction stuff. However, I didn't like the itemization for the factions where like you could create... Uh, more powerful weapons. I didn't really get into that so much because I guess I didn't sink enough time, um, into it, but, um, still really cool. Also with PVP, don't forget there were guild wars. Um, and what that meant was you had a group of guys, you could go into your guild stone and war another, uh, guild. And then once they accept it, um, you know, you're freely attackable anywhere in the guard zone, wherever. So that was just another level of, I mean, that's how much PVP was in the game and how many opportunities you had to fight someone was just, it was immense, but I will say this and and I don't know why this is such a common misconception. I I don't, I was rarely like ganked over and over again to the point where I didn't want to play or yes, I was res killed plenty of times, but there was never a point where I don't know I, I was griefed so hard that I was like I don't want to play this game. So I, I I really feel like it's a tired argument where I hear people saying Oh I don't want to I think the the problem is people want to PvP and not lose their crap. That that's what I think it comes down to. Which to me it makes PvP feel insignificant. Like why even why even kill you then? Why even, you know, engage in PvP just for a leaderboard thing? Not interested. And UO, it was so intense. You, like, I remember, I literally knew when someone came on the screen, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not even touching this guy. I know he knows what he's doing. He steamrolls. I don't even want to engage with him. There were people like that that I wouldn't even try because I couldn't kill them. Play flat out. Could not kill them. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like, we're... I didn't really need a leaderboard. It was just Friday night. You're at the moon gate. You're in Buck's Den. You're in you, whatever. You knew who was who, you know, like there, there were main players in this. Um, so, th- and that was the sense of community that is unparalleled. No other game. You could be like, oh, on, you know, Saturday night, man, we're going to hit up this and it's going to be great. Like, I just don't, I don't hear that anymore. I don't see it um, even the MMOs, I see people playing with PvP, it just, it feels so, like, it just, I don't see emotion in it, with UO, like, I smoke your ass, like, man, I, am I'm pumped up, oh, yeah, you had a Vank weapon on you, I got all your armor, (laughs) man, it just, it felt good, but on the, on the flip side, someone got my ass, man, it sucked, I got to go res, I got to go recall my house, get all my gear back, maybe buy a horse, um, then get back in the fight. Like, there were significant consequences (laughs) to dying. So you did everything you could in your power not to die. Um, And, you know, the thing with PvP was they actually, and a lot of private shards did this, they had actually arenas where you can go one-on-one with someone. So it's a, it's a you know, a setting. Where there's no no mounts, just, you know, you against another mage or Dexter or whatever, and it's to the death. Whoever dies first, you're out, right? Real real basic. And it was fun. Like, they did kind of events for that, where, okay, last man standing. I remember I did win a last man standing. I had a um, a Venk, uh sledgehammer, and... I won. And I, and I remember as a kid, I was, I think I was on, was I in dial it back then? I don't, I don't remember. Um, but I do remember winning and I remember going to tell my mom, Hey, I won. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I just won the tournament. And cause I remember with the mace, it destroyed your stamina which that meant if you ran out of stamina, you couldn't move. (laughs) You literally would just skip and just stay in place. You couldn't, you could not physically move. And I remember the hammers, God, they would hit, I think it was a crushing blow is what it was called. And then when that landed good night, I mean, it it was devastating. You you were having to heal immediately. Um, But I remember that and I was in full plate armor. I was so cool. Um, But yeah, it was just so much fun, but I mean, I don't know. I I really think, and I think once I have people on here talking about PvP, you know, a lot a lot of you will even more so agree, and it'll further reaffirm that UO PvP is in a class of its own. Um, it it is so sweaty when you got someone number one chasing you on horseback, you know um, throwing explosion potions on you. I don't know if y'all remember that. Uh, I do. And some of the free shards still have explosion potions where you, you know, you have a macro that clicks the potion it counts down and you throw it at like two or something. And it like follows the, the target. It, it, it was kind of, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but you had to do it because everyone else was, Um, but that, that was kind of a weird time for PVP. I thought, um, just because it was, it felt kind of robotic, but you know, I get it. It was part of the game. It's kind of where it went. Um, but you know, let me know, uh, PVP, what do you guys think? You know, is there another game right now that can come close to UO PVP? You know, I I don't see it. Um, I thought about dedicating an episode to this game, I don't know what you guys think. If you've heard of it, there's a game coming out called Ashes of Creation, and it's very Lineage 2-ish, somewhat UO style from what I've heard. Um, that is the only game, and that's even on the horizon. It's not even released yet. Um, there is an alpha, though, so it does it does exist. It's not vaporware, but uh, I don't know of any other game PvP-wise that has really gotten me, you know... As intense as UO did, I don't see it because UO you're PVPing on land, you're PVPing in a boat. I mean, <laughs> you name it, you know, you could fight someone, you know. And and I feel like the the murdering system, I, I'm not sure about it. Um, I feel like there should have been a little bit more risk being a murderer. I, I get when you're red you're freely attackable by anyone. Totally get it. But I do feel like there should have been a little bit of skill loss involved. Like, I don't know. That's, that's a really interesting subject, but I just felt like it was kind of insignificant to be read because it kind of was oversaturated. Like there was no, like if I saw a murderer, I was just like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. Um, as opposed to, oh, this guy's red. If he dies, he loses like, one percent of a random skill like damn like that's you know that's a pain he's got to then level up after he die. like you know what i'm saying there there are consequences to it so i don't know that might be something we kind of you know approach on another episode but that that kind of really sums up you know pvp at least right now for me um so i want to kind of set the stage because i want to go into specific pvp you know battles i've had battles I've had with other people, but I kind of wanted to just go over why PvP is so freaking awesome, you know, and I, th- I have a feeling everyone will agree. And I think the most frustrating thing about it is explaining UO PvP to someone who's never played it. They look at you like you're out of your damn mind. Like, I, I mean, I play um, like Apex Legends, some of the FPSs right now that... I, I get really pumped up like it's 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 nerve-wracking I really like it and I'm like if you only knew wh- how you able to make you feel in a battle <laughs> this this is like you know FPSs to me is just the beginning like it, realizing you're in a battle and when you die all your shit's gone that there's another level to that <laughs> you know you're running away in the forest you know. Hope you have the trees off, a little tree stump hack. That was so awesome back in the day. Anyway, chasing, you know, getting chased by a PK, you're running away, trying to avoid it, trying to heal. That kind of feeling is, again, damn near impossible to describe because of just how awesome it is. And when you actually either kill the PK or you PK someone, I mean you're on top of the damn world. And oh, by the way, yeah, you looted all our shit. See ya. You know, and I'm going to kill your horse too. So just in case you come back, I'm going to do it. And the cherry on top. I remember doing this many times. You could chop up their corpse, take their head. And I remember doing this and I put it on the steps of my house because my neighbor was a Dick. That guy was a real dickhead. I remember killing his ass. I had a log cabin and I would kill him every time I saw him, that bastard. But anyway, you could take their head and put it, you know, like lock it down on the doorstep. So anytime that bastard walks around and <laughs> he sees his head on there, you're trolling him or whoever it is, right? So things like that, I mean, gosh, so hard to articulate, but, you know, but all right, in, in summary, again, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the support. Um, please keep emailing me. Um, I'll put it in the comments, but Ultima online podcast at gmail.com. Email me there. I'll put in my Twitter as well on there, but emails right now seems to be working pretty well. Um, I am also now on the front page of the Ultima online Reddit. Um, thank you to the admin for sticky. he, basically stickied my uh, page there for my podcast post. It, it, you know, literally had that much traction. Um, also on Facebook, I did create an initial post on there. I will be updating that post with, you know, episodes or whatever. So I think I'm on damn near every platform. I'm not on Spotify yet. I'm on iTunes and all the rest of them, but Spotify will be coming once I move to the new host. Um, then... I will, uh, you know, be on every platform, I believe. So look out for that. Um, again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, and until we meet again, we'll see you next time.